You're listening to Whiskey Tango Foxtrot with your host, Maddie Conrad. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. We are traveling around the world to crazy destinations and having very interesting conversations with people in the hair industry, both barbers and stylists, even sometimes we're going to talk to people outside the hair industry. But what we're going to be doing today is we're in Washington, D.C. for the BTC show, which has been a place where we've been doing a number of these podcasts because this is just where a lot of us are all together. And the funny thing about these shows when it comes to the artists is that it is like seeing your friends from summer camp. You know, these are people that we've crossed paths with. A lot of times we become friends. A lot of us are very good friends of each other. And uh, it's, it's kind of fun because when we're all in the same place, it gives us this chance to have just some fun and sometimes hilarious and sometimes very serious conversations about the state of the industry. Now, the first time I ever met Miss Taylor Levin, she was on stage doing a haircut at an event called Barbarella. Now, the Barbarella was an event that was put on by Mitsutani Scissors, and it was in Los Angeles uh, at a big theater there, and I was asked to be a judge. Now, I was there judging with uh, Rob the Bloody Butcher and Lean and a number of other people, and uh, Andrew Does Hair, I think, was one of them, too, and we were all there watching this panel of women work and do these haircuts and everybody was doing really good haircuts the quality was quite good everybody was doing their thing and everyone's personalities coming out but in the middle of the stage there was this girl who was just so effortless at it everything she did the way that she like bounced around she was the only person up on stage that looked like she was having the time of her life and she was just super chill about it real casual and the haircut that she was doing was just impossible to stop watching every time you'd scan through this thing there was something that always drew you back to this person and she ended up winning that competition that night that was the first winner of the barbarella competition and that meant she got to go on tour now, I, uh, I've been following this girl ever since, and we've run into each other at a number of things, and, and I've really grown quite uh, fond of her personality and just what a, what a remarkable, I think, young person she is in the industry. And uh, so today, we are going to talk to Miss Taylor Levin on our podcast and uh, find out a little bit more about her and what she's all about. So Taylor, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm super humbled to be here and just blown away that you even wanted to interview me in here. So, oh, no, no. Thank you so much. Enough of that. I'm not even just interviewing you. Like, I'm putting you on our main stage this weekend. Like, I, I, I've seen you work a couple of times, and, and you're going to, you're, I think you're extraordinary what you do, and we're sticking you on the main stage this weekend. Uh, because we're we're doing a big show here at BTC. We're doing a show. It's tomorrow morning. Is actually you know this this will air long after that has happened. But tomorrow morning is when we're doing this, and uh, and yeah, I'm excited to get you out there and, and introduce you to uh, uh, you know the BTC crowd. But um, but let's go back a little bit first. I mean, I, I'm I want to know kind of where the hell you came from. Well, born and raised in the Chicagoland suburbs, and. Growing up, I just kind of always knew that I wanted to do something artistic, but so many of the art-based trades don't really have a sustainable source of income, and they aren't very promising. So for me, hair was that outlet that I could rely on. I could be myself every day and not have to put a mask on. Mm -hmm. So I always kind of knew that hair was going to be it for me. Mm -hmm. 
I went to beauty school while I was in high school and I worked at a salon for a couple months as a shampoo girl and I just absolutely hated it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so your first experience, not so great. Not great at all. And I kind of was at this point where I was like, well, I didn't really have a plan B and I didn't know what the heck I was going to do from there. And I didn't really even know what barbershops were. My dad was a rock star and had a ponytail his whole life. So barbershops were definitely not a part of his his day-to-day. Was he a legitimate rock star or was he just act like a rock star? Well, he was a drummer in a heavy metal band. Oh, I'd say that qualifies as rock star. (laughs) He had a day job. What was his day job? He's a civil engineer. My lord. So those two things don't seem to connect in any way. Yeah. So how you can be a total nerd and a rock star. That's my dad right there. (laughs) (laughs) So what was that like growing up with rock star dad then? Um, It was pretty cool. Uh, I always loved watching him play music. And I think that really taught me to like follow my passion. Yeah. The seeds of creativity were early on. Totally. And like seeing how over time he kind of had to choose his day job over yeah. music. Yeah. I well, there's a pragmatism grateful. there, right? There's a pragmatism to that. Because even like you were saying earlier, like I wanted to go into something creative, but I knew that I had to make money. Yeah. You probably learned that in that whole step right there. What was mom doing? What would mom do? Mom was just, she's my best friend. She works as a secretary. Were they supportive of you getting into hair? They were. I think they were a little nervous about me choosing barbering instead. Oh, okay. Why is that? I don't think they thought that I could make a sustainable like income. Have you found that to be true? Absolutely not. Isn't it crazy? The perception in the industry is that like, you know, with hair salons, that's they charge good money and they do, you know, big ticket services and that's where all the money is. And I've found myself like having done both now that that's just not true at all. I've just come to find that you can make money doing anything in this world. The way it's set up with social media, mm-hmm. it's absolu- absolutely such a blessing that we can literally pursue whatever we want to do and we can make something of ourselves. As long as you want it bad enough, you can make it happen. And I've really come to find that, especially in the barbering world. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, uh, Instagram's become such a crazy thing, though, hasn't it? You know, I mean, I... I you're we're so far apart in age and what I think is so funny is like you grew up in a world of Instagram I I very fortunately grew up in a world before Instagram because honestly like if they had Instagram when I was in high school I would just be like a disaster of a human right now you know what I mean (laughs) there's this this constant reinvention that happens for some people and eventually you find your stride some people find it very young and some people find it very old I found mine way further down the line if they had Instagram back then oh lord god There'd be so much evidence out there of my severe social deficiencies. (laughs) But (laughs) But it builds character. It builds character. I think it does, too. So uh, where does this character building come from you? Like when you started out in in barbering, you know what I mean? you, you, You didn't like hair salons, so you went direct into barbering. What did that look like? I feel like barbering, honestly, just fell into my lap. It was the weirdest thing because I was just working at a bar And I knew I wasn't going to work at a salon just because it didn't really resonate well with me. There wasn't that collaborative environment. And I don't want to say that all salons are like that, but that was the experience that I had. And someone that was a regular at the bar was like, hey, my barbershop is hiring. Mm -hmm. And I was like, dude, I don't even know what the lever on a pair of clippers does. We didn't (laughs) learn that. No, hair school, hair school really doesn't teach you much. Like, did you did you do school? Did you do cosmetology school? Yeah, I did cosmetology school. Yeah, it doesn't teach you a whole lot. 
I mean, it teaches you, especially in, in, in where I was going, it taught us how to do like finger waves and skip waves and, and roller sets and stuff like that. And I'm like, when are we going to get to haircuts? And there's like one chapter in that textbook that was about haircutting. Yeah. Right. Did you feel prepared to like walk into a shop when you finished school? Did you feel ready? Not at all. And I always liked the cutting aspect more. Color yeah. always gave me a little bit of anxiety because there was no reassurance in the result. Oh, like to yeah. me, it's like I want to know if I do this, this is going to happen. And I want the integrity behind my word there. Yeah. With color, it's like, yo, I don't know what's <laughs> going on. So don't bring it up. Yeah. Like, we'll see what happens. I don't like that. <laughs> no, you're not so. like throw caution to the wind and just like go let the chips fall where they may kind of thing. Right, right, right. Some so. people's personality can do that, though. You know, some people's can. And some people are just very much like, no, I, I need to know. I need to know what's going to be on the other side of this motion action outcome. You know what I mean? 100%. I feel like that's a thing for barbering. And, and some of the things that we like are about very immediate um, satisfaction. Do you know what I mean? That, and, and I feel like that the, one of the reasons why so many young people are getting into barbering now. I mean, it didn't used to be a young person's profession for a while. It was like an old dude's thing. You know what I mean? There was a long period before about 2010 when the average age of barbers, I think, was like quite a lot older than it is now. But right. there's like this thing with like, I hate to use the word millennials, <laughs> but there's this, this instant gratification thing that seems to be satiated more by barbering than by hairdressing because the process takes longer. Do you agree with that? Yeah, um, I also feel like a lot of barbers like the sense of like instant gratification. Mm -hmm. Like once I cut the hair, it's short and I know that it's going to be short. Mm -hmm. So it's like instantly fulfilling. But um, is that a thing that you like seek out in, in your creativity? Do you need that or are you patient with your work? Am I patient with my work? I've found comfort in meeting myself where I'm at. But I don't think I'll ever be comfortable with, like, my skill level. But I think that's why I am so fulfilled in this trade, because I'll never be the best. Did you think that's a thing that anyone could be? No. I don't either. Unfortunately, I think a lot of people do think that's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Especially in Th this career. But they're just, it's too subjective, isn't it? I mean, there's just not a best anything. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? There's everybody who has a clientele exists as two people at the same time. You are some people's best barber they've ever had, but you're someone else's worst, even though you're the exact same barber for both. Totally. And there's clients for everyone. Absolutely. So that's the best thing about it too. What are your type of clients? Like who are the people that you <laughs> love to work on? My, cl I have the coolest clients. Like I'm really confident about my clientele. Like I just want to brag about all of them because they're truly the coolest people ever i'm like where did you guys come from i just started this hashtag like making cool people cooler oh because like they're that. always like oh you made me look so cool i'm like dude you are so cool like i don't even know why you're letting me cut your hair you're so <laughs> cool but that plays such a huge part of it too though doesn't it i mean it, it really is about being that person that believes in the best quality of their clients Sometimes, you know, it's about instilling them with that confidence that really nobody has independently on their own. Very few people are independently confident without some sort of external, um, you know, steering or motion or whatever it is that, that has helped build that up in them. You know what I mean? I think we, we find confidence these days and it's, it's necessary to have it inside of you. But I think that when we're all younger, forming, all those things, you know, it's a lot of external influence that kind of builds people. You know what I mean? Totally. So being th playing that role, you know what I mean, for your clients, I think is a huge important thing. 
I think the coolest thing, too, is seeing and being able to recognize the cool, unique qualities about a person and being able to bring that out through their hair. Like, the best compliment my clients have given me is I've never felt more like myself until you started doing my hair. That's so good. And that just, I love that because I think one of my best qualities is being able to see the best in someone. It can also be one of my worst qualities. But I always can just see the best in someone, and I want everyone to see what I see when I look at them. And I just want to bring that out. So when someone tells me, you know, I really have never felt more like myself, that's just such a good feeling. How How do you do that? Because so many people are striving to be like in style, you know, they'll sit in the chair and they'll be like, oh, well, like what's in style right now? And I'm like, I don't think we need to worry about what's in style. I would think we need to worry about like, what's your style? What's in style for you? Yeah. Yeah. You know? So what does that really look like on a practical level? Like what are the things that you look at to, to kind of establish that for people? Their shoes. Shoes are big. <laughs> I'm not surprised that you are looking at their. For those of you that don't know, Taylor has maybe one of the best shoe collections I've ever seen in my life. She showed up for the BTC show here this weekend and had, I think, one one suitcase just full of shoes. Literally 90% shoes, but that's my guilty pleasure. That's it. I think you can like learn a lot about someone through their shoes. I think so, too. I mean, I, I, I think most women think that. Because I've always been told that most women judge you by your shoes. What are shoes telling you most significantly? Just what kind of person they are. Like, you know, if they're dirty, they're probably a more fun-loving person that isn't really about the materialistic stuff. So I'm going to give them a more fun, textured, lived-in haircut that can suit that. I want to get to know them before I start doing their hair because I want to make sure that it's suitable for their lifestyle. Like, how long are you going to spend on your hair? Mm. How much of a priority is that? Yeah. And most of the time, it's not a priority. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes. Which is fine. I put people into categories. I do the same thing. I look at shoes. I look at uh, accessories. I like to look for tattoos. What are the things that they do to express their own personal style? You know what I mean? And I find clothing is not always the easiest one because clothing changes around so much. But the thing that doesn't change as often is your accessories. You can't change your tattoos. You know what I mean? Footwear gets worn a lot more than outfits do. And so it's an interesting thing to look at those things that are less interchangeable and the things that are a little more consistent with them. Uh, I I think that's awesome. But I mean, when, when you're looking at those things, I put people into categories of like, are you high maintenance? You know, high maintenance people almost always know exactly what they want. You know what I mean? The mid maintenance people, they're a, they're gonna they're gonna style it. They're gonna do stuff. They're more fun. They're more daring. They'll go for crazier shit, and it's kind of fun, you know. Mm-hmm. And then there's low maintenance people that just think of a haircut as a commodity. You know what I mean? So how do you approach those things? You know, when you're looking at those people and be like, look, um, I want to tie this up to your personality, to who I think you are. I'm super grateful because a majority of my clients will find me through my Instagram, mm-hmm. and they'll just be like honestly do whatever you want I like your work do whatever you want and I'm like I love you (laughs) but what do you love about that like is that do you think they mean it I just think that's so powerful for someone to really like believe in my work yeah and and put so much of their own personal way they feel about themselves their own personal confidence in your hands like that that brings me to my knees knowing that someone trusts me on that level and they haven't even met me yet yeah. Like that's so flattering to me like that, especially because I think my artwork is a projection of like my heart and soul. Right. Yeah. You really so put a lot into it. You're not just complimenting like my haircuts and my 
day-to-day work. You're complimenting me as a person and like what I find to be beautiful and pleasing. So yeah, I love that. Okay, being new in the industry, being quite young, how did you build that clientele from the ground up? How did you start doing that? Because I think, um, I mean, when people are seeing your work a lot uh, and, and wanting the kind of work that you do, that's cool, but that had to start somewhere. Like, how did you get started at that? I did and still do a lot of free haircuts. I literally feel like I've built my own clientele just by I'll always go on photographers pages on Instagram and find like cool models. I'll find and handpick my clientele and I'll say, hey, it would be an absolute honor to get my hands in your hair. The first haircuts on me. When can we set this up? Yeah, I think that alone. Yeah, I think that alone is like so flattering for them that someone really wants to do their hair that much. And just by them seeing my true passion for wanting to not only do their hair but create like a whole photo and entire look and feeling as them as the main character they're gonna want to come back so it's one free haircut investment but it's like a lifelong experience of me getting to create freely with this cool person that I just chose as my client and friend (laughs) but you're also just like you're reaching out you're taking the initiative you're not just posting stuff waiting for people to reach out to you you're looking actively for people to be like you're the kind of person I want to do haircuts for on the streets at the mall I'm just like listen I have to cut your hair like it's not really a conversation it's like me telling you (laughs) so like when are we gonna do this how do people react I feel some people out there would be very nervous nervous to do that or maybe even afraid to approach other people with that kind of confidence so how how does that go for you what's how is that often received I think initially a lot of guys will think I'm hitting on them <laughs> okay that's a totally different thing we need to talk about yeah I, I think I think there's a lot of that but sure but how how do you bridge that gap I just always try to stay very professional The number one thing you can do to let a guy know that there's a boundary of professionalism there, shake their fucking hand. I'm a huge, (laughs) huge believer in handshake. I teach handshake in my class. Every single class I've ever taught, I address that because I think that's a thing that is often misunderstood as just a throwaway pleasantry, but it's actually a communication. It's, um, you know, we talk about dogs uh, being pack animals, right? And and they greet each other by sniffing each other's junk. And that's kind of a weird way to greet each other. And you think to yourself, like, God, thank God people don't do that because that would be (laughs) fucking awkward. But the thing about it is, is that it's actually not about this um, with dogs. It's not about this conversation or this thing and they're implied, whatever. There's no nuance. Dogs are very much about like um, kind of small, subtle actions of dominance and aggression, right? And it's how they communicate with each other other to figure out where they stand in the pack like who's dominant who's submissive and and whatever and um, the funny thing is is that that's actually what humans are doing when they shake hands when we greet each other we shake appendages it's the weirdest thing no other animals on the planet do that but us but it's actually the way that our greeting has evolved to establish that state of dominance and that communication and that energy and the vibe with which you do that can communicate just those very things it can communicate professionalism it can communicate confidence it can communicate a lot of things but it also can communicate the opposite it can mm-hmm. communicate a lack of professionalism. It can, it can communicate a lack of intensity or care or focus. And, and so it's not a throwaway thing at all, is it? It's a very important part of setting those boundaries, setting that energy level with your clients, setting, you know, communicating your professionalism and your confidence, right? Mm-hmm. Do 100%. You, do you shake everyone's hand every time you do their hair? 
at least the first haircut i think that people will always ask me you know don't you have problems with clients flirting with you obviously because i'm in a male dominated industry i'm mainly cutting men's hair although i do have a lot of female clients now but i think that the biggest thing is people are going to treat you how you let them treat you if you demand respect and you shake their hand and look them in the eyes and let them know like this is a professional setting so you know don't play any games here please respect me as i'll respect you you know that just automatically sets the tone for the rest of the haircut i think body language is really huge too yeah it's all a professional tone that you need to make really clear from I totally the beginning. Agree. I totally agree. And I think it's there's always a choice in that moment, you know what I mean, where you get to be professional or you get to let something slide. And when you let something slide, it, it, it like allowing it condones it pretty much, you know what I mean, or encourages it. 100%. Yeah. So Things I think can't be left unsaid. No, nah, drawing those boundaries I think is important. And that not everyone's going to be your client. So if they can't respect you and, like, meet you at that level of professionalism, then they don't need to be your client. Yeah. Have you ever had to fire a client? Like, I, yeah, but even when you're building, I, like, you, you seem very intentional about your clients. You seem intentional about the people you cut hair for and the people that are in your chair. Have you ever uh, had somebody sit in that chair where you're like, okay, I was, I was maybe off on this one. I'm wrong. I, I don't think this is the person I want to cut hair for. 100%. And I've always felt like I would rather be slow and take my time building my clientele and fill it with people that I genuinely, genuinely am looking forward to seeing. So it's just a matter of kind of weeding out. And there's professional ways of saying, you know, I think that this person would be more suitable for you, you now, know. Now, what's your work situation like right now? Are you working by yourself for yourself or are you working in a shop? I work in an amazing barber shop in the Chicagoland suburbs called Skull and Thrones, and we have 12 barbers. Wow. It's more of a men's salon. Okay. And How do you designate the difference between those two things? Um, it's men's, a lot more Men's salon versus barber shop. It's a lot more professional. We're all very precise and passionate, so we really take our time. Okay. Um, so it's appointments, it's, yeah, giving it's all appointments, longer services, things like that, and really focus on the whole service rather than just the haircut. Right. The whole energy in the shop. It's like a whole experience. Because it's becoming a kind of a blurred line these days, isn't it? Because, I mean, I see some barbershops that are extraordinarily professional, well put together, good service quality, all that kind of stuff. And then I see some, ma like, men's hair salons that are coming out that are trying to look like barbershops kind of thing. But... I, I feel like that line is starting to become quite blurred. Even in the education end of our industry, in the show end of our industry, barbering has become encompassed by men's grooming now. You know what I mean? Which, which really, I think, kind of encompasses both like men's hairstyling and barbering together. Mm -hmm. um, how do you see yourself? I mean, I have both licenses. I just like to say I do short hair. Like, I think one of the best qualities about our shop is... Anyone can come in our shop and feel comfortable. Hmm. All my women client are like, yo, I've never felt comfortable going in a barber shop. And that kind of like hurts me. Why? You know, they should be able to get the haircut they want. Even like gay people, they don't feel comfortable going in barber shops. And I don't think that's fair. I agree. I think it really depends on the barber shop because yeah. I'm not going to say all barber shops. But I, I think that um, I was surprised at how many people commented about our shop uh, about the inclusivity. Yeah. And that's a thing that's been really important to us since the very beginning is that you're right. Anybody that wants a haircut, a barber haircut, should be able to go to a barber shop. There should not be any kind of, I don't believe in that. I think everyone's welcome to do what they want to do with their own business. But I think for me, it was really important because it's 
who we are as a company is about inclusivity and not just in the people that are allowed to come there, but the people that work there too. And being a woman in what you decided described as a, as a male dominated industry, have you felt um, a, a deficiency there or have you felt like you're looked at with some sort of deficiency or have you had challenges that you've come up against being a woman in a male dominated industry? I feel like the industry is changing really quickly, but when I got into the industry about three years ago, when I got my barber's license, I applied at every single shop in the city of Chicago, and no one would hire me. One barbershop owner called me after I left his shop and talked to me for about an hour and a half telling me how it was stupid that I was pursuing barbering, that I would never make a sustainable income, and that men went to the barbershop to escape women. <laughs> okay, I hope that guy's listening right now because you, <laughs> you missed out so fucking big. So a lot of people will be like, you know, I don't like how women are like singled out. And mm. we definitely want to be treated equal. And I think that's slowly changing. But I think you need to demand that level of respect and find people that have the right intentions for you. Because... It was only until I found the barbershop owner that I work for now that he really placed me on a platform where it, there was a level of equality. Mm. The same amount of hard work was demanded, mm. and I, was, I wanted that. Yeah. I want to work just as hard as the guys. Mm. I don't want anyone to come to me because they think I'm pretty. I actually didn't even like wear makeup the first year while I was building my clientele because I was like I don't want a damn person coming to me because they think I'm hot I want them to just really believe in my my work and my art and just me as a person so that was like my clarity in building my clientele yeah you don't want I mean you you want to be taken seriously how do you achieve it I mean do you achieve equality through um, external forces you know what I mean? Do you, do you demand equality by uh, the way other people treat you or do you demand equality by your performance? By your performance and the way that you carry yourself as a professional. Yeah. So what there's way more to that than the technical work, which I think a lot of people overlook. Oh, yeah. I think there's more to haircutting than, than the technical part that people overlook. It took me a really long time to understand that. I think the first year of my career was all about the technical work to the point where I really missed the whole purpose of the industry. Which I is was what, like, in your why opinion? don't I feel fulfilled? Yeah. I don't think you will ever feel fulfilled from your accomplishments, your level of quote-unquote success, your technical ability – It's just not going to happen. And it took me a really long time to understand that. The purpose of this trade is the interactions you have with the people in your chair. Yeah, I could not agree with that statement more. I I I always think that's the thing. And and as much as it's hard for people to hear, I... I, uh, a lot of the time lately, I've been sharing my my somewhat shitty opinion of, of what our industry is becoming by just simply summing it up as, look, no one cares about your haircuts. All right, not as much as you do. You know, mm-hmm. and we've made it so about the technicality. We've made it so about the blurriest fade, the best photo, the coolest video. And we are missing out on what I think is truly, truly special about what we do and what we provide. 100%. And you, you, we were doing an interview with you uh, for the video that's coming up. And you said something. I saw you post this on your Instagram. And I know, like, to me, it really spoke to me about the quality of the person that you are. And it was about uh, love. And, and what, was that, what was that quote again? So 
that was just the idea that love is not the only thing that matters, but it's the method to achieve everything that does. So you can do anything you want in life, but if your intentions aren't fueled by love, there's not going to be a level of fulfillment there. If the haircut that you're doing is only about gratification of your ability, you're not going to feel it. If the haircut's about making these people feel freaking amazing and bringing them clarity of their level of worth, that's where it's going to be right there. I that's that. the golden right there. Because you've also said, too, that like haircutting isn't your purpose, you know, which is funny for a barber to say that somebody as young as you've been as talented and driven, obviously, as you are and creative, for you to look right into that camera and be like, cutting hair isn't my purpose. Mm -hmm. To say this in front of 4,000 people that are here to watch you cut hair. You know what I mean? That's brave. There's so much bravery there. And yeah, it's, it's so much maturity in such a, a like a, a new young barber. You know what I mean? And it's very rare to see it. It's one of the things I think really stood out to you. But share share with the, the listeners what it was that you actually said. Because I think your philosophy on why you do what you do is what makes you so extraordinary. I think I was gratefully opened up to a lot of truths in this industry really soon into my career. As you um, mentioned earlier, winning the Barbarella was just an absolute dream come true. Like, that wasn't something that I could ever dream up. Yeah. Like, never was I like, okay, I'm just going to make a goal to travel all of China and Japan with... The Scorum Barbers, Maddie Conrad, <laughs> and Sophie Pack. Yeah, we were we were all out there together, weren't we? That was a crazy thing. That was even a dream come true for me too. By the way, I mean, even getting to be on stage with all you guys in Japan was was extraordinary. Like I couldn't have dreamed that up, though. It was just something that I feel so grateful and blessed that it happened, mm -hmm. and it was something that should have made me feel so fulfilled, right? Yeah. Like that's a barber's dream. And then I just remember like sitting in my hotel room one night when I was like traveling and doing hair. And I was like, man, like I, I couldn't find fulfillment knowing that hair is such a vain thing. I'm like, I was trying to figure out why I was brought here to do hair. Like what's my purpose and what's the intention in that? Because it is all about appearance, right? Yeah. So I started digging deeper into that. And I'm like, there has to be more intention in this. And I feel like I was just brought here to do way more than do hair. And I really realized that the places where I feel most fulfilled is when I'm able to connect with people. It has nothing to do with hair, but even doing the platform work I've had the ability to do, being able to con connect with people from all over the world that share the same passion, that's where the fulfillment is. Having someone tell me, hey, you really inspired me to step out of my comfort zone and get on that stage even when I didn't believe in myself. That's where the fulfillment is. The fulfillment isn't, hey, that haircut was cool. That's really flattering and that's selfishly pleasing for me, but it's not fulfilling because it's all about me at that point. What do you think the difference between success and fulfillment is? This is something I talk about a lot, but I'd like to know what you think. Unfortunately, I think success looks very different from everyone else. And at that level of my career, I think a lot of people, well, I don't think, I know a lot of people were like, wow, you're so successful. 
And it just felt so shallow and like hollow for me because I'm like, I don't feel successful. I don't either. I don't feel successful because at that point in my career, yeah, I won this amazing competition. But like, that's just me. Like, I haven't done anything for anyone else. It felt very hollow. And I feel like um, victories just are shallow until they involve more people than just yourself. And they're doing more for the world than just yourself. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So what's the thing that you find fulfilling about the way you approach things now? Or what's changed so that you can find that fulfillment? How have you changed your approach to that? I just think it's about serving others. Like every single interaction we're given behind the chair is a moment to experience love and connection. Sharing a mirror with someone isn't something that you do, even with your closest loved ones. Literally looking in the mirror and sharing that initial eye contact is so vulnerable. Like you are literally knocking down all the walls and saying like, this is me. No one sees me at this level of vulnerability. I'm trusting you to help me to love myself and bring out like the most powerful parts of me that you see in me. That's so powerful. And I feel like we overlook that. I feel like so often we're like, oh, this triangular layer is going to really bring out the bone structure. Let me dig deep into that and make sure it's perfect. Then you go through the whole haircut and don't say one word to the person. Little do you know, you know, they just went through the worst day ever and all they really needed was to talk about that. And they don't really give a damn about the triangular layer. Yeah. (laughs) Or even know what it is. Right. And could, yeah, wouldn't even know the difference between whatever you even did on their head. Yeah. I think one of the things that's really interesting about vulnerability, like you said, is we have people in a state of extreme vulnerability. Most people go out of the house when they have prepared themselves to look a certain way. And some people spend a lot more time on that than others. But when you're sitting in the barber's chair, staring in the mirror, sopping wet hair, flicked around and messed up and stuff, you know, makeup maybe running a little bit if you're working with ladies, it's like there is just this exposure that very few other people get. And, and this vulnerability and this trust involved there that leads to intimacy. But one of the things I think that is most important about it is understanding how fractionalized our communications have become and what that does to empathy. Because the ideas that you're sharing here are really about empathy. They're about sharing a connection with a human being. And, and we communicate now in forms that completely negate empathy. You know, DMs, no empathy. You know, instant messages, emails, texts, zero empathy. Like, I've never got in such terrible fights with anyone as I have over text (laughs) because there's just no ability for empathy. You can't, there's no nuance, there's no conversation, but so many people live their lives now communicating in that fashion, and very few of them, I think, have true conversations with people where they have vulnerability as a component of that, where they have trust as a component of that, that exist for longer than maybe two, three minutes, but we have them in the chair captive for sometimes 30 to 45 minutes. If you're doing color work, if you're a stylist or colorist out there, you'll have them for hours. You know, this is a very sacred space, I think. You know, I think, I think, I'm like you, I think much deeper into this than just the haircut. I, I really preach that stuff when my classes and when I'm sharing. And I think maybe what, what drew me to you and why we chose you for this weekend, I think, is because uh, that's something that took me forever to figure out about this. Forever. And you've learned it so quickly. And the stuff that you post about is so real and it's so genuine. You know, where did that come from? 
like where did you figure this out so fast did you, i mean are you have you just always been this very like deep thinking person is that your personality or is there has there been some you know events in your life that have led you to have that kind of maturity wow um i have always just been searching for like what my purpose was and at a very young age i thought that what that meant for me was like traveling the world i'm like maybe i'll find what i'm looking for you know and just digging deeper and deeper into that over time, being given all these amazing opportunities, um, things I could have never dreamed up, becoming a platform artist two years into my career. That was my long-term goal. And here I it is. So being able to experience all these things, being able to travel the world, like I'm so grateful I've been able to do all these things. But I think being able to accomplish what the society wants you to believe success is and still not feeling fulfilled really just pushed me to dig deeper into figuring out what was going to fulfill me. And that was uncovering my purpose. And I think that love and connection is our purpose. And like I say, my mantra of my brand is kind of like the platform of hair is my that's my platform, but love and connection is my purpose. And so I'm just trying to live out that truth every day because that's how I find fulfillment. So I think the experiences that have led me to where I am today has made me uncover that. And I feel like God just kind of showed up in my life at that period of time to bring that realization to me. Like That can be very powerful, transformational kind of force in life. Yeah. Right. That's awesome. Do you find more fulfillment now on the other side of that realization? Are you finding that in your work? I mean, entirely. Like, I can be at work and almost just feel like my heart is so heavy just because every single day the people in my chair, I am genuinely excited to see them. Yeah. Like, I will wake up in the morning and be like, wow, I get to see him. I wonder how his, his baby's doing that he just had. Yeah. Wow, I wonder how that engagement went wow, I wonder how her graduation party went. Wow, I wonder if she passed that test. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's like you start prioritizing the people, right? The people in your chair aren't just... I, I've always felt really gross about the way that some people refer to their clients as a walking billboard for them. You know, I mean, I get the intention of it, but I feel like the more we allow those comments and those ideas to permeate, the less uh, humanity we leave in that. You know what I mean? The idea that, oh, this is a billboard because that makes it about you. It's not like they're a person. It's just a, they're your walking representation of their work. Like that's their purpose in life to you. You know what I mean? And or just the idea that like the, you think about clients as how many heads did I cut today kind of thing. Like, man, anytime you start looking at it as that disposable, you're missing the point. I really love the connections that I've had with people. Uh, and my most prized moment as a barber had nothing to do with hair cutting at all. The thing that I'm most proud of, it didn't have to do with awards or covers of magazines or anything like that. The thing I will take away from this industry are moments like that that I had with people where I was able to be there for them in what they needed beyond the haircut and the role that you get to play in their life and the way that sometimes, like you say, God just drops things into that life that allows you a moment to just be that angel for that other person that needs it more than anything in the world. And we would never have exposure to those opportunities if we didn't have that platform of doing hair. What are some of the big, like, who are some of the big people or the influences that you've had uh, growing up in this thing from a community standpoint 
you know, because you're very much about community. Who are some of the bigger parts of your community kind of thing that you that you like to go to for advice or, you know, that you like to look at and think, OK, cool, this is this is my community kind of thing. What are the what does that look like for you? I mean, honestly, Maddie, I always go to you for advice because you genuinely are one of the people in the industry that I feel actually has good intentions for the barbers who are new to the industry. And you don't just have good intentions for them because you want it to look good that you're helping other barbers, but you genuinely want them to do good. And you want to help them figure out what their career looks like for them personally. So I'm grateful for all the advice you've given me because it really is hard figuring out what the formula is to getting what you want in this career. And it's different for everyone. It is, yeah. It's so unique. Everybody's career is like a thumbprint, you know? It's like, it's only theirs. There's no right or wrong answer. And sometimes I think it's a trial and error thing. Yeah. But being able to voice, like, the transparency and, like, yo, I've been doing this platform work. I kind of feel like it's unfulfilling and... You know, being able to be transparent about that with other barbers and other barbers being like, yo, I kind of also feel that way or like, oh, for me, for me, it's not like that. Being able to open up and explain like what your experiences and your journey has been like is really real. And I'm grateful that barbers like you have done that. Um, other barbers, I've learned a lot from uh, the Bloody Butcher. Yeah, Rob's a great guy, isn't he? One of the best things I learned from him when I was on tour with him for the Barbarella was, um, you know, all these barbershops, they're building barbershops that they think the people want. They're building these picture-perfect barbershops that are old school and, you know, they're like what they have in the magazines and, you know, they're not a reflection of the owner of the barbershop. Yep. And that's why they're not successful. Mm -hmm. And Rob is so well-known and appreciated in the industry because he is himself. All the time. No one else. Like, he is fearlessly himself. He is unapologetically himself. And that's why people love him. It's inspiring, too, isn't it? But also, what's so great about him is he has the talent to back that up. I mean, he is just like, he doesn't give a rat's ass, but he is so, so gifted. I think you're right, though. A lot of people are building barbershops they think people want to see, but not realizing that a barbershop isn't the fucking four walls and the chairs. It's the people there. It's right. the culture you create. You know what I mean? You can make it look like whatever you want, but if the culture is not there, barbershop is just a set, right? Right. I'm totally the same with that. I think that's that's really important, and it's that community that you build inside of your own shop. You totally. know, That's really what your culture is. All right, now we're getting ready to go on stage uh, tomorrow morning. How are you feeling? I'm really excited. I'm super excited. Um, I'm kind of blown away because, <laughs> again, this is something that I never could have dreamed up. Like, this isn't even, if someone was like, what's your goal? I'd be like, I wouldn't even think to say, oh, I'd love to be on stage with Maddie Conrad, Mark Bustos, Kevin Luckman, Robert Braid, and Mark Payton. <laughs> well now that you people say would it, be people would laugh Goddamn, now i'm <laughs> nervous thanks i didn't even really think about that but i'm like oh shit i'm gonna be up there too holy crap that's that's a nerve-wracking thing do you get <laughs> nervous at stage because you seem so effortless at it you seem so casual when you're up there and you just you instantly just like have everyone sitting in the palm of your hand i've never seen anything like it like how do you feel so confident on stage or do you feel confident is that just an act 
here's a confession. Okay. I always wanted to be like on stage as a child. Like I wanted to be a rock star. Hmm. Like I always thought that I was going to be a rock star. Like dad. Yeah. I always like Haley Williams. Okay. She's my idol. Like I just love her and I wanted to just kind of base my I, life around her. I don't know who that is. I'm the so old. The lead singer of Paramore. I know who that is. Okay. <laughs> Short orange hair. Did it before anyone else. I would literally pass her in the elevator and I'd had no idea who she was. So uh, it says a generational thing, but I, I'm sure she's awesome. <sighs> that hurts my heart. <laughs> but I just have always felt like. I want to be like in the limelight just because I feel comfortable there and I'm able to have this like alter ego. Yeah. My mom refers to it as trends. Okay. She, like she's like there's Taylor and then there's trends because my <laughs> username is like trends by Taylor. Yes. She's like what's trends going to wear to the show? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Does she help like does she help you pick this stuff out? Like, oh yes. Okay. She, my she's style is like. I got it from my mama. I got really? most of this from my mama. Is like, she, she's a badass too. Yeah, I mean, she's DM'd you. You know she's she a badass. Actually, she's actually, involved. She DM'd me this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I posted something about our t-shirt she's like yo get Taylor to pick me up when I'll support yes <laughs> like, yeah she's your mom, my biggest she, fan she's I was, everything I think that was actually the weirdest thing um, because I mean I'm used to I, I invite our friends and, and I, my goal is to have all of our community on that stage at some point you know what I mean like I think the one purpose that I have in this vehicle is to, is to lift up as many other people around me as I possibly can now and give them opportunities to lift themselves up but you are by far the very first one that I've ever had whose mom reached out to me to be like, I just want to say thank you for believing in my <laughs> daughter. And I was just like, that is so fucking charming. <laughs> like, it's like, it's like, I know nobody like Mark's mom has never, ever one time DM me to be like, thank you for giving my son an opportunity. You know, like it's so it's really sweet. And I think the relationship that you and your mom have is so adorable because even when we asked you, like, who do you love? Your first answer was your mommy. Mm -hmm. I think that's so great. That's yeah, is she amazing. is she your biggest fan? She's my biggest fan. She's my best friend. Oh, <laughs> do we get to meet her at some? Is she coming? Or should we should bring her. We should just bring her down here for this whole thing. Oh, you'll meet her. Okay, yeah, good. and you won't miss her. She's <laughs> been to a few of the shows. Has she? Oh yeah. How have I not met your mom yet? You'll meet her in Chicago this year. She goes every year. Oh, that's pretty adorable. But um, what was I gonna say? She made an Instagram just to keep up with my career and follow like you and the Bloody Butcher and like anyone who I am pretty cool with in the industry. And she'll tell me like, hey, Maddie just posted something about you. <laughs> and she'll know before I know. I mean, I, I don't know what it is. I think uh, I, I look at you very much like a little sister. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're just some I'm, I, br I actually burst with pride. And I, I mean, I, there's a lot of people that, I, that I'm, I'm very proud of in this industry, our friends and other people. Even last night at the awards, watching guys that I, I only kind of casually know, but I get a great sense of pride when I see my friends succeed. And, and for some reason uh, with you, though, I feel like this real sense of just like deeply proud of watching you do your thing because you just radiate, you shine. And, and I think it's something that more people need to be made aware of which is really why I wanted to give you this opportunity. But one of the things I think was my favorite moment about you, and I know I share this with you, but we were at the community show. You were about to go on stage at the community show. Um, 
there's a whole bunch of epic, epic talent from around the world. And you are going to be on stage with uh, our friend Michael from Andis, who is one of the lead educators at Andis, and Sean Lahan, who is a legend in barbering, um, not just for his barbering, but for his massive personality on stage. There is nobody puts out more energy than that guy on stage. It's, it's exhausting to watch him. But I remember watching the two of them backstage who had never met you, seen you do anything. And they were sitting there talking and Michael's going to Sean. He's like, hey, um, I, I know Taylor seems a little quiet and reserved. We have to really make sure that we don't drown her out. And, you know, you got to make sure we throw to her and really support her on stage. And I thought that was really cute because they were being all, you know, like brotherly. brotherly. Right. They were being like, oh, I really want to make sure we don't drown. Her. We want to make sure she shines kind of thing. And I was just kind of chuckling to myself. And I looked at those guys. I'm like, all right. Now, uh, I know you guys are just being nice and you want to support her, but um, y'all motherfuckers need to worry about yourselves because I've seen this girl cut hair on stage and she is going to destroy you. <laughs> and the funny thing is, is that, that show, all I heard about the entire time after that show was Taylor, 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 this girl, wow, those girls, the girls at the show, you girls, like, I mean, there was also MDM Grooming was there, you know, there was, a, a, you guys absolutely destroyed us. Like, <laughs> without trying, without putting in effort, it was just a matter of, God, there's something captivating about the way you cut hair and the way your energy on stage, what you put out. You know what I mean? And I knew it. And I knew these guys, no matter how loud and crazy and big they were going to be, and they were, and you were just casual, cool Taylor right in the middle of the whole thing <laughs> and stole the entire stage from everybody. It was, it was magical to watch, and I was so very proud of that. And I am really looking forward to watching you do that again tomorrow. Like, I'm going to be on stage talking and doing my thing, but nobody's going to listen to a damn word I got to say. They're all going to be like, what's that girl doing in the back? <laughs> <laughs> so um, tell people where they can find you online if they want to follow you along, support you, because I know that people are going to be interested in watching you. Well, thank you so much for your kind words. Um, you guys can find me on Instagram at trendsbytaylor trends.by.taylor because trends by taylor was taken and i'll be writing a blog soon and i hope you guys can follow me i try to really take advantage of my platform and i try to take advantage of the fact that i really have the opportunity to influence a lot of people and i want to put more out there than just hair I make it a point to be really vulnerable and transparent on my page because I think that's a dying breed in the industry. And I know that it's like really helped me through my career. And it's all that any of us need to hear is transparency. So I hope that my page can offer that level of clarity to any of you who may be searching for it. So that's where you can find me. All right. So you can uh, now get some therapy sessions with Dr. Taylor. <laughs> Uh, thanks for calling in. Uh, no, <laughs> you guys, honestly, though, uh, follow along this girl. She's on a, on a trajectory that I think you're going to find very, very special. Now, I had a great time talking to you. Thanks for coming. I'm looking forward to tomorrow. You guys, thanks a lot for tuning in this week to Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. I am Maddie Conrad, and you've been listening to my conversation with Miss Taylor Lennon. Have a great day.